I'm John Carter in Moscow, in Havana, Cuba. Now in Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. I'm John Carter in Petra, right here in communist China, reporting from India. Hi, I'm John Carter in the Solomon Islands. I'm John Carter in Soweto, from El Salvador. I'm John Carter in Sydney, Australia. Holiness, the big letdown, and hearts strangely warmed. Now here is John Carter with today's message. Hello, friend. I'm John Carter in the great city of Los Angeles. Welcome today to the Carter Report. I want you to notice the topic, what we're talking about. This is the second part of the program, holiness. The big letdown. If you get it wrong, it's going to be a big letdown. Believe me. Holiness, the big letdown, and hearts strangely warmed. We need to have our hearts strangely warmed. We don't want to end up like little icebergs. I want to take you to a text over here in the book of Deuteronomy, and I'm going to turn. Here it is, Deuteronomy. If you've got your Bible, please go get it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24 and 25. I'm going to answer the question, does the Old Testament teach salvation by works, by obedience? And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always. That's saying if you obey God's laws, it's going to be good for you, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. Then it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to observe all these commandments before the Lord our God as he commanded us. Well, that text by itself seems to teach righteousness or salvation by obedience to the law of God. But if you get this wrong, then you're going to end up, my friend, sort of like an iceberg. You know, we're going to work and work, do, 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 cock-a-doodle-do. But I want you to notice this text also in the book of Genesis because a text without a context is a pretext. Did you get that? Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. You've got to go by all the texts of the Bible. Uh, Genesis chapter uh, chapter 15 and verse, uh, let me see, Genesis chapter 15 and it's verse 6. Got it right. And he believed in the Lord. This is Abraham. And he believed in the Lord. And he, God, accounted it to him for righteousness. That doesn't sound like righteousness by works to this pilgrim. The Bible says he believed in God. And God gave him a gift, a total gift of righteousness. Not like this, we're going to work our way home to heaven by keeping the commandments of God. That was the doctrine of the Pharisees. But it is not the teaching of the Old Testament and it is not the teaching of Jesus our Lord. Listen carefully. The Pharisees, and they're not dead, the Pharisees believed in perfectionism. They believed that when Israel perfectly kept the law of God, Messiah would come. That was the alpha and the omega of their theology. They believed that if they could only keep the law of God perfectly for a little bit of time, Messiah would come and the kingdom of God would come. Some people still think the same thing. Now, I say it kindly, but the Pharisees are still alive today. (laughs) 
You've probably met some of them. They're usually cold, uh, judgmental, uh, legalistic, uh, self-righteous, um, or very, very proud, or else they're very, very depressed. They're very depressed because they know that they're just not cutting it. So, you know, they know what they really are. They're moral, moral icebergs. Jesus called them the Pharisees. He said, Pharisees, hypocrites, just to put on. Remember Simon the Pharisee? Remember that story, my friend, Simon the Pharisee? And the lady who was a great sinner? Why doesn't it say that the men were the great sinners too? No, no, no. It's always the lady who was the great sinner. You know the story. He'd caused this woman to fall into sin, but he was sitting as a judge upon her because he considered that his righteousness was by his attainment, not by Christ's atonement. There's a big difference. Uh, often their lives are inconsistent. I'm talking about the Pharisees. They're inconsistent with their speeches. Then you know the great story of the woman who was caught in adultery. The Bible says uh, in uh, the very act, believe me, she's caught. How did they catch her in the very act? They must have been super spies, super religious spies, very pious spies. You are, they, they're really good at picking up stones, but they didn't know about picking up people. So they catch this woman and they bring this woman to Jesus, to the Pharisees. And you know the story. Jesus sits down and he writes the dirty secrets of their dirty little lives in the dust. And then they all stink away. Jesus said, nobody here to condemn you? No, Lord. Neither do I condemn you. This is grace. Go and sin no more. This is holiness. And so the Bible teaches salvation by grace alone that always leads uh, to holiness. The Pharisees, I say it again, big on little things, sure were. Big on little things, uh, like what you wear. Yeah, big on what you wear. Little on big things like love, faith, and mercy. Jesus was big on people and love and faith and mercy. What about you, my friend? What are we big on? Are we big on man-made rules and being little popes? Or do we believe the gospel? Do we believe the gospel that teaches that salvation is not by my obedience, but it is through Christ? It is through Jesus, who died for our sins on the cross. Are you listening to me, my friend? I'm going to quote one of the greatest exponents of the gospel, one of the greatest exponents of the gospel in history, and that was Martin Luther. I, this, this may take a little bit of getting, so I, I want you to concentrate. Would you do this for me, please? I want you to concentrate on this, and you may say, I, I don't believe this, this is a heresy. Well, I want you, please, just to concentrate. Martin Luther said, Mine are Christ's living, doing, and speaking. Mine are Christ's living, doing, and speaking, his suffering and dying, just as much as if I had lived, done, spoken, suffered, and died as he did. That's the gospel. Everything that Christ was and everything that Christ did is given to me 
as a gift. This is grace. This is God's mercy. It is not infused in me. Justification is not an infusing of righteousness. It is a declaration. And because of the merits of Jesus Christ, God gives to me as a gift his perfect righteousness. You say it's too, no, no, I can't believe it's too good to be true. That's why it's called, my friend, uh, the gospel. And the word gospel, as you know, it means good news. Hey, please listen to me. News. News is about what somebody has already done. You get it? It's not, not advice. Advice, if I'm giving you advice today, I'm not giving you good news. But the good news is about somebody who has already done something in time and space. And the gospel is the good news that the almighty creator God became a man and he came down to this earth and he perfectly kept the law of God. The only person who ever had since Adam. And he went to the cross and paid the price of our sins. And if we truly believe in him, God gives to us as a gift. It is true. He gives to us as a gift. His righteousness. <laughs> Good news indeed. Now come over with me here to the book of Romans chapter 3. A lot of people say I can't understand the book of Romans. Well, my friend, you better learn to understand it because it's probably the greatest book in the Bible on the gospel. Tyndale, the British reformer, said, good, glad, and merry tidings that makes a man's heart to sing for joy and his feet to dance. So let me read it to you. Romans 3, 21. And think about this, please. But now, 21, the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. This righteousness doesn't come because of my success in keeping the law of God. It doesn't come because of my attainment. It becomes because of his atonement on the cross. You get it. Romans chapter 3. Ask God to open your mind. A lot of people have no idea about this. Verse 22. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who works so very hard. No, no, no. That, well, why? If you don't think that's in the Bible, then why do you act like this? To all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned, verse 23, and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We are falling short of the glory of God. None of us are good enough to be saved. Verse 24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. When it talks about being justified, it doesn't mean to make you righteous. It means that God, on the basis of Christ's death for our sins, declares that we are righteous. It is a declaration which is legally, legally placed in my account in heaven. God says, this man is now accounted righteous, not because he's good enough, but because Christ is good enough. This is why the cross is so important. That is why so much of the Bible is, is about the cross, because the cross teaches not by law. In fact, it doesn't say the law is abolished because the law can never be abolished. The law is eternal. But the Bible says we are dead to the law. You say, where does the Bible say that? 
Oh, if I could only get you to read the Bible, my friend. Going to come over here to Romans chapter 6. Now, I've had folks say, look, I've read through the book of Romans. I can't understand it. I say to you, keep trying. Keep trying. Put the little gray cells to work. Ask God for a supernatural revelation. He'll give it to you. God will give you a supernatural revelation if you seek him. Romans chapter 6 and verses 6 down to 8. This text, most folks don't understand. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Who wants to be a slave? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Hey, would you please read that again? For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him. The Bible says that we have died with Christ. What on earth is the text talking about when it says that we have died with Christ? The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says that when Christ died, he died for the whole wide world. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Of course you were there. I was there. We were all there. And when Christ died, uh, the Bible says, uh, I was crucified. And the law cannot condemn a dead man. You hear this? The law cannot condemn me because Christ died for my sins on the cross. I want you to see this. The devil doesn't want you to see this. The devil wants you to be confused. The devil wants you to think that the law is done away with. The devil wants you to think that you've got to be perfect before you can be saved. This is not so. Christ died because the law could not be abolished. And if you truly believe in him, the Bible says you are justified or declared righteous. And don't get this idea of infused righteousness like our beloved friends in the Roman Catholic Church teach. We believe that God changes the heart, but that is the fruitage of the gift of salvation. Do you get it? You know the story about the prodigal son and the father? You know the story? Here's the great painting by the great Rembrandt. Look up here. Not hard to guess who this guy is. This is a Pharisee. The old father is God. And the bad boy, he's you and me when we come to ourselves. And when we come to ourselves, we come back to the father. And the father doesn't say, hey, you stinker, the pig pen, you're covered in filth. You know what the father does? The father puts a robe around him, the robe of God's own righteousness. And he says, come home, my boy. Puts a ring on his finger. Imagine that. He puts sandals on his feet and he says, come home. The boy is saved when the father puts his arms around him. If you want to be saved, let the father today put his arms around you. Don't think you're going to get home to heaven by climbing up the quaking sides of Mount Sinai, friend. That is the doctrine of the Pharisees. We get home through Calvary. I can never be good enough. Only God is good enough. That's why Christ came. I heard this as a boy at Avondale College. 
I heard it in a big evangelistic campaign down in Sydney. I heard it preached by a great, great American preacher, HMS Richards. I heard it. I heard the true gospel. Thank God I heard the true gospel or else I would have been filled with despair. I would, would have been in darkness. I would have been a legalist. I would have been a Pharisee and I would have had no, no peace. If you don't understand the gospel, you're going to have a big letdown. If you think you can be saved by your own works, even with God's help, if you think you can be saved by obedience, if you think you can be saved because somehow you become sinless, that is a delusion. You say to me, well, what am I going to... I say, read the Bible. Try reading the Bible. People say, well, I don't want to read... Well, you're not going to get the truth unless you read it. You say, I find it a bit hard. Well, try harder to read it. You're not saved because you're doing something which is hard, uh, but the most important gifts in life are hard to attain. That's why I read my Bible every day. I try to practice what I preach. Now, what is a cult? Well, I've heard some cultic preaching about how great we are. The gospel is not about how great we are, it's about how great God is. I don't want a sermon about our church organization. I've heard enough of that stuff. I want a sermon about Jesus because the church organization cannot save me. You hear this? You don't believe that, it's because you're not believing the Bible. Whatever gets your attention gets you. Remember this, if Christ gets your attention, Christ will get you. If your sins get your attention, your sins will get you. If people get your attention, they'll get you. If fear gets your attention, then fear will get you. HMS Richards, when he was just a boy, was always teasing his brother to the point of destruction. His mother said, don't do it, Harold. He said, I'll never do it again, mother. But of course, two minutes later, he was doing it. His brother was screaming and crying, and his mother said, I want you to go down to the creek and get a big, big stick because no good my beating you. You got to beat me because I must have failed. He said, I can't beat you, mother. But he went down to the creek about six or seven times until he got a big rod. Then his mother bared her back and said, Harold, beat me. He said, I can't beat you, mother. Beat me, Harold. So he tried to, but he couldn't. He loved his mother. But in the end, when she saw that he could take it no longer and he was breaking down, she put her arm around him and told him the story of how Christ was beaten for us. The innocent was beaten for the guilty, with the guilty, for the guilty, to bring us to God. That's when this great preacher whom I have always admired the founder of the Voice of Prophecy, became a saved Christian. Are you a saved Christian? Or do you think you're going to get home because you're good enough? We're never going to get home because we're good, we're good enough. The only way that we can get home to the kingdom of God, my friend, uh, is because Christ is good enough. Let me talk about cheap grace. Some of you folks are going to be saying, oh, John Carter's talking cheap grace. I met a pastor in Glendale years ago, not a member of my denomination. He said, I'm going to live like hell and go to heaven. No, he's not. He's going to go to hell, I'm afraid. That's cheap grace. Grace changes the heart. Too often the world and the church today can hardly be distinguished. 
Some people come too easily to salvation. They have the idea, and I have been a pastor in Los Angeles for many, many years. As they say in Australia, for donkey's years. <laughs> and I have met so many people who think they're saved and they're lying and they're cheating and they're stealing all of this stuff. They think there's nothing wrong with telling lies. You can't be saved if you're a liar. Oh, no, no, no. Well, no one's... No. Cheap grace says, just come as you are and live like hell and you'll go to heaven. That's not the gospel of the Son of God because God calls us to holiness. Listen, religious talk is cheap and plentiful. I've heard it. I've heard too much of it. It's called the Jesus business. That's, that's what they call it. I was being interviewed on a big Los Angeles television station. The man who was interviewing me said, welcome to the Jesus biz. A billion dollar industry based on religious talk. God is not so much interested in religious talk. God wants holiness. Heard of Bonhoeffer? The great German who stood out against the Nazis? Rather die than deny Christ. We're talking not here about cheap grace. We're talking about expensive grace. We need a revelation of expensive grace. What it costs God. People say it's all free. No, it's not free at all. Salvation is not free. Don't believe that lie. Salvation is tremendously expensive. It costs the life of the Son of God. Don't you get this? then don't be a trivial person and cost the life of the Son of God. And salvation produces holiness deep down inside. You know the story of John Newton? Of course you do. The Englishman who was converted through the preaching of the Wesleys used to be a slave ship captain, but he found Christ and Christ changed his heart. That's how we got the hymn, Amazing Grace. You know the hymn, don't you? We sing it, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You won't be saved until you feel that you're a wretch. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. We're blind without Christ. We don't see Christ. We don't see ourselves. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved, how precious uh, did that grace appear the hour I first believed? If you don't have any fear, you're never going to have confidence in salvation. The Lord has promised good to me. His word my hope secures. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. That was written by a person who was the captain of a slave ship. God saved him. God justified him. God declared that Newton was righteous. And then God changed his heart. If God doesn't change the heart, my friend, it's a big fake. We're not talking here about cheap grace. We're talking about expensive grace. I want you to come over here to John chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. John chapter 3 and verses 
5 to 8, the great text, Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Have you been born again? The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. We're not talking here about cheap grace. We're talking about a change in the life. When God comes inside a person, he's been justified. He's been declared righteous. And then God starts to work a real holiness in the life. If you don't have that, my friend, it's a fake. Um, you read Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You read there the tough sayings of Jesus. You read texts like Matthew 5, 43 and onwards. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies. Amazing. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. This is the power of God. God takes a person full of hate and he makes him into a loving person. He takes a person full of lust and he makes him into a pure person. We are not talking a counterfeit gospel. We are talking the blood red gospel of Jesus that changes the life. It's called the new birth. I could give you lots of other stuff. My problem today is I got so much stuff, I'm just run out of time. But that's okay. But I want you to know this. People plus salvation, they become new people. And love comes into the life. This warm love. You know, God doesn't want his people to be like icebergs. So many, many, you know, people don't go to church to sit in a refrigerator. People go to church because they're looking for people like this. No lying, no cheating, no stealing, no laziness, no hating, no dishonesty, but genuine humility with courage and loyalty, truth, integrity. You say, well, that's hard. Not when Christ is in your life. When you go to Christ and you understand his gospel and you understand if there had been only one sinner, if you had been the only lost soul, Christ would have come down from glory and died for you on the cross. We're never good enough. We're declared righteous, but when God declares us righteous, he works a miracle. <laughs> and cold people become warm. Frigid people become loving. Hating people become filled with kindness. And God is waiting to do this for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God created his people in different cultures, countries, and in cities around the world. He made the human race. He made us one people under God.
At first, when you see someone that looks and acts differently than you, you may turn away, but take your time. Look closer. You will see that we share the same dreams, the same troubles, the same world. Open your minds and hearts to one another. Love each other as he loves us. Do this for God. Honor his creation and let his love shine through each one of us. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.